Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We are called to persevere and endure even when the enemy, the opponents that we are encountering seem to be more numerous, they are stronger, they're better equipped, and when we cry out to God for help, there appears to be silence from Him. Even in those difficult times, do not be discouraged. Do not give up. Do not turn away from the righteous call, that upward call from God upon our life, but remain faithful and believe that God will, at the right time, according to his purposes, he will respond. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 38. Now, again, we're going to be looking at a psalm that David wrote. And David wrote this, obviously, in a very difficult time in his life. Yes, David did things that he ought not do. There were at times sin, serious sin, that David committed. But for the most part, David was, as the scripture says, a man whose heart was turned towards God. A man who wanted to worship God, serve God, and frequently submitted to what would be pleasing to God. And it was frequently because of David's desire to do just those things that he encountered opposition. Do not make the air that if I walk in obedience, faithfulness, according to the will of God, that things are going to be easy. We don't see that in the scripture. It's quite the opposite. When we are serving God, doing his will, the enemy, he doesn't like this. And he will move the more effective, the more faithful you are, the more the enemy will rise up against you. So David in this psalm is going to be pleading for God's help. But in this psalm, we're really not going to see any response from God. But God did deliver him. David did reach a full life. David was someone who was overcoming his opponents. So with that said, let's begin Psalm 38, beginning in verse 1. And again, we have an inscription. It says here, a psalm of David for remembering. This is a psalm. In its title, biblically, we are called to remember this because you and I at times will go through 
a similar situation. We are in pain. There is an enemy. There are opponents. There is hardship. There are things that are plaguing us, and God seems to not be answering, seems not to be moving. We need to remember what David says in this psalm. So once more, verse 1, a psalm of David for remembering. In the Hebrew, we're already in verse 2, so there'll be one verse difference between the English and the Hebrew. David is saying, O Lord, not in your anger, reprove me. So David, at the beginning of this psalm, he speaks about God's anger. And therefore, we would glean in this case, for this psalm, David may be at a time of, of disobedience, a time when he has moved away from the will of God that there is sin and iniquity in his life. We'll see that in a very clear way later on in this psalm. He speaks about his sin and iniquity, his transgressions, and he pleads here. Even when guilty before God, he says, O Lord, do not in your anger reprove me. Or, in your, and this is a word for, for hot, so it's a word for hot anger. Sometimes it's translated fury, and not in your fury, chasten me. Instruct me in a way that, that comes from learning my errors from punishment. So David, he is not saying that he is not guilty. He is not saying that he doesn't deserve it, but he's pleading for mercy. He's asking God not in the heat of anger and fury, discipline him. Verse, verse 3 in the Hebrew text. For your arrows, they have come down upon me. And your hand has come down upon me. So David is saying here, Yes, he's experiencing hardship, difficulty, and he attributes this as the punishment of God. He says, your arrows, your hands have come down upon me. So David, he knows that he is guilty. He knows that God is displeased, that God is angry with him, but yet David is not silent. David is not avoiding prayer, quite the contrary. David is coming before God in a very vulnerable way, in a transparent way, asking for mercy, seeking God's grace in the midst of this. And if we look at the next verse, there's a very significant word. It says in verse 3 in your Bible, verse 4 in the Hebrew, en matom. Matom is a word that speaks of soundness or wellness. And David is saying, and this word can be physical or emotional, spiritual in nature. And David says, confessing this, he's sharing with God what he's experiencing, and he says, there is no soundness, there is no wellness 
in my flesh because of your wrath. So again, even though frequently David meets the opposition because of his faithfulness, here, there's no question about it. David is experiencing God's anger, his fury, his wrath because of his, his guiltiness before God. And the thing that David is telling us to remember, even at those times, don't turn away from God. Don't stop praying, but rather even more so. We need to come before God and, and petition him. Seek his mercy and his grace. He goes on to say in the second part of this verse, there is no peace in my bones. And again, we need to remember this psalm, as most psalms are Hebrew poetry and parallelism. And we see the word matom for wellness and, and soundness is being parallel here to the word shalom, peace. There is no peace in my bones because, and this is a very important last word in the verse, it says, because of my sin. Now, when we look at this verse and we study it in light of Hebrew poetry and the laws of Hebrew poetry, we see something is placed together. Something is likened. Something is parallel. And what is that? David puts together the wrath of God with his sin. And we need to realize that this is an important message. When I sin, it turns me towards the wrath of God. When I rebel, when I am not where God wants me to be, doing what God wants me to do, I am inviting upon myself the wrath of God. This is a Hebrew word, za'am, and it's an intense word. The rabbinical scholars say that it's stronger than the other words that are used to express God's anger. This word wrath, it, it, it is the strongest within the word of God for God's displeasure and his punishment. Next verse. For my iniquities, they, they pass, they move, and what does he say? Roshi to my head. Now, this is going to tell us two things. First of all, head, when, when you are, are suffering a blow to the head, it is serious. So David is saying, I'm experiencing serious consequence to my life because of my iniquity. Secondly, head, is related to the mind, how he thinks, his perspective. And what we learn in the second point is sin affects my perspective. I don't see things when I am living in sin, behaving in sin. I'm not going to see things from the proper vantage point. Sin causes me to be easily deceived by the enemy. So once again, we're looking and it says, for my transgressions, my iniquities, they passed to my head. 
for the burden. And this is another outcome of sin. Sin brings burden upon us, and not just any burden, but notice what it says. Like a heavy burden. And then he says, they will be heavier than me. Which simply means this, left to ourselves, we cannot handle, we cannot measure up to our sin and our iniquity. They are going to be heavier, greater than we can manage. Sin puts us into confusion. Iniquity causes us to be out of control where our life is overwhelming us. There's not that peace, that wellness, that soundness. All of those things are removed because of sin and iniquity. Verse, verse 6, we read, They smell and they rot my bruises. Now, he's speaking, and we need to understand this in, in one of two ways. First of all, he may be speaking about something that is, is spiritual. These inward blows, this, this, this inward spiritual condition. But he also may be speaking about things that he is physically suffering. The consequences oftentimes our spiritual disobedience will manifest itself in physical suffering. And he says these wounds, they are, they are smelly. And he goes on to say not only that, but they are rotting. And he's experienced that. His life is not a, a pleasing aroma before God. His life is not becoming strong, founded upon truth. But rather, he says, because of my sin, that's the consequence. They, they smell and they rot all my, my blows, the bruises that I'm encountering. Because of, and notice how verse, verse 6 in Hebrew 7, 5 in English, how it is spoken of spoken of as all the cause of this is his foolishness. Now, this word foolishness, it is when we pursue our own desires that we are behaving foolishly. Let me say another uh, uh, related truth in regard to this issue. When I want God to bless my desires, I am behaving foolishly. Again and again, I say that we need to be individuals that say, God, I know that you have the best plan for my life. I know that your will is good and it's right. Therefore, my prayer life, my desires aren't going to be those things that are foolish. What's foolish? To disagree with God, to want God to do something different than his plan for my life. And therefore, David says in, in this verse, he writes that, that this smell, this odor, this rotting of the wounds that he has, whether they be spiritual, physical, or both, he says, all of this is because of my foolishness. Verse 7. 
more expression of, of, of suffering. He says here, verse 7 in, in Hebrew, 6 in English, it's a word for, I have been twisted and I have been made to bow down. Now, all of this expresses pressure, anxiety, suffering. He says, life is twisting me. Life is shaping me. Now, here's the fact of the matter. If I'm walking in obedience, I'm going to be experiencing the edification of the hand of God through the Spirit of God in my life. It's going to be building me up. But if I am living in sin, pursuing things that are my desires rather than God's desires, what he has revealed to me for my life, the purpose of my life, then I am going to find myself being deformed. Meaning this, I am going to be feeling myself being twisted and shaped in a wrong way and being forced to bow down. And he says, I have bowed ad me'od very exceedingly. For every day, koder halakti. Koder is a word for gloom or darkness. So what David is saying here is, I'm experiencing the things in my life that, that is deforming me, putting me out of order. I am not taking the shape that God would have me to take. My life is distorted. Secondly, he says, as I walk, walk is an expression of lifestyle. And he says, all day long, I'm walking my lifestyle is, is exemplifying one who is in darkness or that word can be word of gloom. And here gloom can be, be related to despair. David isn't experiencing the joy of the Lord. David is far away from where he should be. He is experiencing God's goodness, but God's punishment, God's judgment, and the enemy is, is overcoming David. He's being defeated because of his own sin and iniquity. Therefore, look at the next verse, four, and this word, in this context, probably as, as many of the translations, the literal ones say, has to do with loins. And the loins is the essence of an individual, but also has to do with, for a man, his, his future. The heritage that he is, is passing on to that next generation. And he says, for my loins are full. And this next word has to do with those things that are, are burnt up. Now, the point is this. When something is placed into fire or heat, that heat, that fire begins to affect it. It's the word for toasting something. And when we look at the scripture, what are you saying? Look again. My loins, loins the very essence, the, the future, how I want to impact the next generation, what I hope to pass on. All of this is being distorted. It's all being burnt up. It's all being cast into another form that's, that's not right. For there is, look at the last part of this verse, 
for there is no wellness, that same word, metom, there is no wellness or soundness in my flesh. And here, some would say flesh meaning his life. He is far removed from where God wants him to be. Next verse, verse 9 in Hebrew, 8 in English. It's a word for ceasing, stopping, coming to an abrupt end. What David is saying is, I'm not moving forward. I'm not continuing, pressing on. But, but things are, are broken in my life. In fact, the next word that appears here is just that, that which is broken, that which is not reflecting the, the zeal of the Lord, enthusiasm. So things have come to a crashing halt. Things are broken. They're not functioning properly. And he says again, ad me'od, which means until exceedingly meaning. He's not functioning. He's not moving on. Everything has come to an exceedingly great stop in his life. And the only thing that David can do, it says, I groan. And this is a word more often than not in the scripture. It is a, a word that's applied to a roaring of a lion. In this case, it should be understood as crying out in a very loud way. David is suffering greatly. David is in a mess in his life and from the context. As I said, frequently David suffers for doing the right thing. That's the norm of his life. But there are times when David, he does not obey. He commits of sin. And when David does that, the consequences are numerous and the results are devastating. Why? Because David knew better. Secondly, David was put in a position that had great responsibility. And we know God says those who are teachers, they are going to be judged more severely. Well, David, he's the king. And he has a responsibility, and at this time, he has failed. Now, we all fail. And here's the thing that David says, remember, it is a psalm for making mention of, remembering it, reminding us. When we're in this, don't turn away from God. Don't give up, but turn to him in prayer. So he says, I, I have grown from my howlings or, or turmoil of my heart. Now, heart is in here for a reason. Heart is related to thoughts. And David basically is saying is my thoughts are in turmoil. I'm not seeing things properly and I'm not arriving at the, the decisions that I should. And at this time, David is spiritually broken. He is not functioning as he has in the past. And all of this can be attributed to one thing, and that is that sin and iniquity in his life. Verse, verse 10 in Hebrew, 9 in English, he says, O Lord, 
before you is all my desires. Now, I believe that, that in this verse, when we look at it, it speaks about, about David becoming transparent and acknowledging you can't hide something from God. God knows all things. It is futile and foolish to try to conceal. Say a prayer that really we're not feeling. So David, in giving us an example, teaching us through this psalm, he says, O Lord, before you is all my desire. And he goes on, I will groan, he says, I will groan from you and not, not uh, hide. So he says early on, if we go back to the previous verse, when he says, I'm yelling out like that lion, it's word for, for making noise, making noise of his heart. But it speaks about making noise because he's suffering. He's, he's groaning, and here at the end of, of verse 10 or verse 9 in your Bible, it talks about my groanings from you. He says, I will not conceal, they are not hidden. My heart, next verse, verse 11 in Hebrew, 10 in English, my heart, and this next word is a word in modern Hebrew, it has to do with being dizzy not being able to, to see things correctly or respond to them properly. And this is what David is saying. My thought process is all dizzy. It, it's not clear. I, I'm not even in the spiritual condition to make a proper decision. So he says, my heart is dizzy and my power has departed, has left me. The light of my eyes, also they are not with me. So David is saying, the illumination that my eyes normally have, why? David usually see things correctly. David could most of the time discern God's perspective. But here, once more, because of sin and iniquity in his life, David is not able to see things. There's no illumination. Once again, he is in that word, koder, darkness and gloom. Verse, verse 12, 11 in English. My loved ones and my friends, from before, or here we might say, on account of my plague, they stand, meaning this, they have removed themselves. They see God's judgment upon me. They see God's wrath having been placed upon me, and they are moving away, even his friends and loved ones. Second part, and my relatives, from a distance, they stand. Now David is revealing something else that, that sin does. Sin isolates you. No one wants to be around someone who has sinned and now receiving the consequence of sin. 
When you are in the midst of that sin, carrying it out, oh, you may be the life of the party. You may be having the time of your life, but that is short-lived. It is most temporal. And soon thereafter, there's going to be a consequence. And the longer that consequence delays frequently, the more severe it is. And when you're going through that hardship, that consequence of, of the, the, the sinfulness that you, you behaved, people flee from you. Your friends, your loved ones, everyone doesn't want to be around you when they see you suffering because of the judgment of God. So even his loved ones, his friends, his families, they stand at a distance. Verse, verse 13 in Hebrew, 12 in English. The ones who seek my life, they set, and this is a word for setting kind of in modern Hebrew would be laying a, an explosion for, laying a trap for someone. So David has those, his enemies, that are laying a trap for his life. And furthermore, it says here, my, my, my friend, they are seeking, and it's plural, my friends. They, they seek, excuse me, let me translate this better. They are seeking my, my evil. They want evil things. So he says, let me translate this properly. There are those who are laying a trap for his life. They are also seeking the evil, bad things to happen to, to David. They speak, they speak a catastrophe. They want destruction is another way that this word can be translated. So look again at all of this verse. There are those who want David's life, want to see him put to death, and they're laying a trap for him, a snare. They're wanting to assassinate him, and they are seeking bad things for David. They speak destruction and, and deceit, and this is in the plural, so they have abundant deceit. All day long, they are meditating upon deceit, how they can trick and deceive David into bringing him to his demise, his defeat, and his death. They only want evil for him. Now, what's the, the takeaway for us? Well, when I sin... It's going to bring God's judgment. But here's another consequence. It is also going to empower the enemies against us. When, when we are in sin, we are spiritually and physically vulnerable. That means Satan, he, he is a liar. He is a deceiver. And he leads us to sin. And when we are foolish and we follow his deception and we sin, next step for Satan is to bring our enemies to us for the purpose of destroying us and our family and loved ones to move them away 
So we're isolated, we're alone, and the likelihood of our defeat and destruction increases. This is the situation that David sees himself experiencing. Next verse, verse 14 in Hebrew, 13 in English. He says, I as a deaf person do not hear. As a mute, I, I do not, he will not open up his tongue. He's saying here, I am spiritually paralyzed. I'm not hearing from God, and, and God's not speaking to me. I'm not able to speak properly unto him. David is in a desperate, broken, horrible, spiritual condition, and this is all the outcome of sin and iniquity. And David is not uh, unique in this. If I sin, if I shirk the call of God, the responsibilities God gives to me, or if you do that, we're going to find ourselves in the same situation. God is not a respecter of person. So remember, this psalm, David wrote it down as a reminder to you and to me. We're supposed to make mention of this in order that one, does not turn away from righteousness, turn away from the things of God. Because if you do, this won't be David's psalm, but this will be speaking about your condition. So David says, as a mute one, he says, that does not open up his mouth. Verse 15, verse 14 in English. For he says, I become as a man, which does not hear. He says, as one who does not speak, his mouth does not speak, reproves. Now, what he's saying here in this context is that David, he's not hearing from God, and he doesn't even know the reproofs of God. He, he, he is in a spiritual state of, of bankruptcy. Nothing is functioning. David's not hearing. David doesn't even know the, the discipline of God, what God is trying to teach him in this time of punishment. David is in an all-time low spiritually in his life. And again, why is he in this position? Sin and iniquity. Not others, but primarily his. And it's his sin that has empowered the enemy against him. He knows this, and he knows nothing to do in order to bring about a change. This is what the verse is saying. He says, I've become as a man that does not hear, meaning I don't hear any more from God. And, and his mouth, it says, there is no, no rebukes, no reproof, nothing that I can do to, to change, pay my, my debts to society, so to speak, that I, I humble myself. He says, I feel totally alone. Verse, verse 16, verse 15 in Hebrew. Now, this is where there's a significant change. Because notice what David says here. Ki lecha Hashem unto you, and it's literally 
for unto you because of all of this. See, you would think at this time, a person would say, well, God, you're not giving me illumination. You're not what, telling me how I can, can straighten this out. You're not giving me words of, of rebuking, reproving, so I can take that, respond, and get back on the right track. David is alone. He is spiritually confused and unknowing what to do. And you would think at this time they would say, I'm giving up. But he doesn't. This is the wisdom for us here. What does it say? Again, verse 16 in Hebrew, 15 in English. For to you, O Lord, I have hoped. And you will answer, O Lord, my God. Now, of all the verses... This verse stands out to me. Remember the context. Remember all the things that David has said. And now he's saying, despite that, there's no reason for you to do anything in my life. I can't even hear for you to do something for me. I, I can't discern that. That's how spiritually far removed from the ways of God, the things of God, that David is. But nevertheless, he says, For to you, O Lord, I have hoped. You, here's faith, you will answer me, my Lord, my God. For I have said, now he's crying out, he's speaking to God, and he says, Lest, he says this, lest they rejoice over me at the collapsing of my feet. And, and they magnify themselves concerning me. He's saying, God, I know this much, that, that you don't want these wicked ones to rejoice over me and with my collapsing, that, that they, that they would, would, would be magnified at my expense. This is not the God that David knows. Verse 18 in Hebrew, 17 in English. For I, and notice what he's saying. It's a word for limping or staggering. David is about ready to fall. And he says in this last word of this first half of the verse is nachon. And it can mean establish. He says, I have been established right now, not on a sure foundation, not on what's, what's, what's sound, but he says, basically, my foundation is leading me to stumble and to limp. And he says, my pain is constantly before me. Because of my iniquity, I have said, he has declared, he's confessed, all of this is because of my iniquity. And he says, I am not experiencing peace, contentment, assurance, but he says here, I am, and this is a word for worrying. And it tells us, the last word in this verse is my sin. So his iniquity and his sin has certain effects in his life. Again, this verse, he says, 
even though I have confessed my sin, I've spoken about my iniquity. And he says, my, my sin has caused me not to have peace, not tranquility, but to be alarmed, to be worrisome, to be, to be very concerned. See, when we're in God's will, we have confidence. When we're outside of God's will, we have great fear. We don't have that peace, that, that assurance that comes. Verse 20 in Hebrew, 19 in English. My enemies, they are alive and they are strong. He says, my, the ones that hate me, they, they multiply falsehood. So they're strong. They, they are alive, that is, they are present in this situation. They are strong, and they multiply. Those who hate me multiply this, this falsehood. They, look at the next verse, they are the ones that pay evil for good, and they oppress me because I pursue that which is good, meaning God's will. So David is saying, at this time, he's saying, God, there has been a change in my life. Remember what he says? I hope in you. David has confessed his sin. He has acknowledged it. And he knows that the enemies are multiply against him, that they are numerous. They are lying. And he says, all of this, they want to pay for the goodness that I've done, they want to repay it as evil. Because I have pursued your will, they, they uh, are, are oppressing me. Verse 22, he says, O Lord, do not forsake me, do not leave me. My God, do not, do not put yourself far from me. Do not be far away. Last verse, verse 23 in Hebrew, verse 22 in English. He uses a word for, for doing something quickly. Now, oftentimes in English, the word haste means to hurry, but sometimes being hasty brings about even a worse situation. In Hebrew, this is simply to respond quickly and to respond correctly. I want to say that again. What David is saying is, God, respond quickly, respond correctly, and be my help. My Lord, and the last thing he says is, is save me, you, and it's an affirmation. You will save me. David understands that the only source in his condition is God's help. And it's only through God's help, his provision, that we can experience deliverance, that we can experience salvation. Now, I want to close with just one more thought, and that's this. David, he has said, I'm guilty. It's because of the iniquity, the transgression, the sin in my life that I'm in this situation. 
I'm spiritually confused. The enemies are numerous. They are speaking lies. They, for the good things that I have done, they want to reward me evil. Because I'm pursuing your will, that's his heart's desire to turn back to God's will. They want to even do him greater harm. But what is David going to do? He does not give up. He does not turn away from God. But he says, O Lord, my hope is in you. And even though I'm confused, even though I'm full of concern, David says, I know that you will hear. I may not hear you because of my spiritual condition, but God, you will hear me. You will answer me. You will become help unto me, and you will bring about my salvation, my deliverance in this context from this dire and desperate situation. And remember how this psalm begins. And it's sad that so many Bibles sets it up like it's not Scripture or ignores it altogether. It's part of the text. David wrote this that we would remind others of what he said. How David responded in this low time in his life. It's a psalm for reminding, reminding you and me, even when we have failed God and we failed him miserably and in a mighty big way. Don't turn away from God. Turn back to him. Seek him. Even if you're so spiritually far removed that you can't discern what he's saying, there's no illumination to you, realize that God, if you keep your hope in him, he will be your help and he will bring about deliverance. Even at this low time, David says, my, my desire is to do good. I am pursuing, not giving up, but I'm pursuing that which is God's will. Realize this. It's only those who are committed to God's will, even if they've messed up in the past, that are going to experience what David says. God, quickly, you're going to help me. And you are going to become my salvation. So David, a low time in his life, but he has still an expectation from God. Have confidence in your God, the God of Israel, and his son, Messiah Yeshua. Enter in, if you have not, entered into that new covenant relationship with him so that you can, as David does, have faith, have confidence that God, he will be your help. He will be your defense. He will be your restorer. He will be your savior. While well, close with those thoughts until next week, shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua 
that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.